Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host Stephen Murphy. I'm joined by the regular rugby crew. The two boys are back this week. We have Sam and we have Westy. We've got some European rugby to get stuck into. We've also got some contract signing news, some tra- oh, so contract news, uh, and also Eddie Jones has dropped a bombshell on World Rugby that we. He's officially announced he is not going to be the contract director of rugby for next so, year. So far, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's a buyer clause like everyone else. You know, Connor just needs a couple of couple of mil. Uh, but yeah, we are back to get stuck into that. But first, as always, we'll check in with the boys. Westy, how are you? Good to have you back. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, I was back from my uh, monthly holidays at this rate. You know, I seem to be not turning up more than I'm turning up. Um, but yeah, I'm good. I'm in the process of moving out of the big smoke uh, and into uh, the little uh, little stove of Oranmore. Um so yeah, busy moving boxes back and forth, clearing stuff out of the new house, and yeah, just trying to get everything set up. The, the three of us now live in Ormore. It's like we are the three best friends that anyone could ever have. I think I think you have to change it from Galway based podcast to Ormore. <laughs> yeah, podcast. let's just talk about the stuff that goes on Ormore. I'll start. Terrible yeah. parking. That's one of the worst things about Ormore. Uh, that's not fun to talk about. That's that's a countrywide pandemic. <laughs> that could be a country. West Westy had one banditos the first week we played Breve in December, and he was like, "I'm this moving to Ormore." This is it. <laughs> it was pretty fucking good, Paris. Uh But yeah, welcome to Ormore, West. It's good to have you. It's great to have you, uh, and obviously Ruth as well. Uh, Sam, you kind of been puppeteering this move to Ormore for all of us. You were first to move out here, and then you were like, "You're like the moon with a, your gravitational pull." We all got sucked into Ormore. Yeah, I've just been sending you daft ads for the last like two years. So I'll be like, this is a nice little house. Uh, but yeah, no, it's great. Uh, it makes my life way easier than popping into town, especially when you were living in, uh, was it Torellan or that direction? And you had to go into town and then out of town again. It was just, it wasn't worth my while. Like our friendship was never going to last. Wasn't was it worth you? I'm so sorry that I chose to live there. Yeah, I hate, it was, hated uh, that house. Yeah, but now, now five minutes one way to westy five minutes the other way to smurf we get coffees at the oh, weekend coffee with the boys Walking the dog bringing the daughter out oh chick magnets all time <laughs> oh it's a real shame we're all in relationships tell you that uh yeah we're three or more ons you know uh, i think people people have been calling me that for years and now it finally is apt uh, but yeah, we'll get stuck into some rugby. Uh, maybe we'll kick off maybe with the big sign news, will we? The big transfer news, the big contract news. I keep saying transfer, it's not a transfer. Uh, friend of the podcast, uh, our first big guest really of the podcast from Cog, John Porch, aka the Human Porch, aka Porchy, uh, signs a two year deal with Connacht to the end of the 24 25 season. Um, this was the first bit of contract news we had from Cog this year over a lot of speculation uh, and it was fantastic news uh, delighted we are especially delighted because Porti has been fantastic since joining the club in 2019 he said himself in the press release I'm really pleased to agree a contract extension with Connacht. I know there was some speculation about my future but I've decided I want to help this club go from strength to strength I'm enjoying life in the west of Ireland and there's some really exciting plans for the future that I want to be a part of um first of all let's talk about the fantastic new Sam keeping a player like Porchy in the club was a no-brainer we were all petrified he was going to leave but he's here for two more years yeah I couldn't be more delighted with the signing it's it was a nervy couple of weeks because the media start to kind of drum up this Connacht haven't announced any signings Andy Friend signed Porchy and they put two to two together and get five so there was a lot of talk about it and he didn't exactly help matters when he said he's kind of still up in the air but they always have to be a bit coy on their announcements Connacht like all clubs like to announce uh, at certain times so I, th- I believe he signed in the last month or so so it was quite late for Connacht usually they kind of try and get them done early season and then announce them around January but I think it was it was only in the last while so obviously something has been said to him in terms of the future of you know the management positions as well because he's he's a smart bloke he was very very close to an Australia call up the autumn internationals before last uh, so about you know 17 18 months ago or 16 17 months ago uh, I believe that he was he was in with a shout for it, and he was quite disappointed about not getting it. So, uh, and in the last autumn international, so I think that that you know that would have been a little bit of a lower to try and get him back. He's a he's still a young player. He's fantastic. He could have commanded a big contract in France or England if he wanted, or Japan, or back to Australia and tried to, tried to really push for that international team. So, for Connick to tie him down, I think says a lot about what he believes the future of the club looks like because he he is you know, one of our best players, definitely one of our top performers he's constantly in week in week out 
doesn't seem to touch wood, doesn't seem to get big injuries. You know, he, he's played, was, you know, three quarter or 99% of the game since he signed, really, he's been available for, he's been involved in, and, you know, he's, he's banging in tries like he did the weekend. So it's an absolutely massive signing for Connacht. And I think it will help to keep other players and to entice players because you're looking at, you know, it does, it does paint a worrying picture, you know, struggling for top eight at the moment. I think that we'll get there because of our running, but that you're struggling for top eight, not going to be in the Champions Cup, maybe for a second year in a row, if that happens. And the management is all over the place in terms of not being announced yet. So I think when you have solidity like players like Porch, you commit into the long term, it does look good for potential new signings and potential re-signings as well. So brilliant news overall. It's just to keep a player like that, it's just it's fantastic. And you know, we are delighted. I know he's been good to us as a podcast. He came on very early on when he like he didn't need to at all. Uh, and he's been he's been really good with his time as well. So yeah, it's it's great. It's it's brilliant for Ghana. Yeah, absolutely. Seventeen tries in seventy-two appearances. So quickly racking up the caps. Um, you know, not far off now the big the big ton. But Westy, like Sam said, him committing to the club for two more years. You know, he's recently married, and I'm sure there's a lot of tension. You know, the likes of Australia, obviously, the the draw to Japan is quite is quite extreme as well. For him to put pen to paper for the next ten two for the next ten years, next two two oh, years. It, it surely does give Connacht fans a little bit of hope, especially in the murky waters that we're currently in, right? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I would be surprised if someone like Portie didn't have other options on the table in front of him, or at least if he has any form of agent that they weren't somewhat confident that they could get a, a good move somewhere to France or Japan or even Matt Australia, as you say. But um, the fact that he signed on... Um, it, it's a good sign in that like somebody must have had a talk with him about where the club is going or or how next season is going to work. I say if Pete Wilkins is going to continue as our as our head coach or move straight to rugby or if somebody's in, they must have set down some sort of a plan in front of him. So not only is it a great signing because he's such a great club man and such a great player to have. Uh, yeah, I, say, I think he's played uh, maybe nearly all of our games thus far. He's, he's only missed a handful in my recollection um, this season. So. Um, the fact that not only do we have such a core pillar of our squad secured, it also, you know, he doesn't have the, the kind who would willy-nilly sign a contract to stay in contact for the laugh. He's, he's married, he wants to start his family, you know, he, he has to look out for his future. So I think I'm not, you know, not to get too ahead of one one um, player signing a contract, but it does, it does imply that counter to what we've heard, these conversations have started happening now in the background about the future of the club and what our goals, aspirations and... Um, you know, kind of our idea for our coaching ticket next year have been discussed, I think, at some level with them. Yeah, I just want to thank Connick for announcing this the day we record the podcast. That was really, really helpful of them. So thanks for that. Um, in a friend of the podcast, obviously, he asked in, the, in one of the WhatsApp groups I'm in with him, Wesley, I'll throw this one to you. Maybe outside of Mac, has he been the best signing in the, in the, pre, the last couple of years for Connick, John Porch? Well, I mean, he's in his, this is his fifth season, I think. Isn't it or fourth or fifth season with us? Um, I, I would definitely say he's been one of the best uh, signings. I mean, I, I think I'd say if you want to be more specific, I'd say he's probably the best non-Irish qualified or international signing that we've had. Definitely. I don't think there's much argument about that. I think, you know, there is arguments for other guys who have come in, obviously, Prendergast, like Connor Oliver, and the guys who have moved internally have made a huge difference as well. But I think Porch is one of those guys, you know, he's an Olympian. He's a, he's a, he's a out and out kind of professional athlete. Um, and he brings a great flair to the squad. And I think, as you say, in terms of, you know, if you want to measure it by nothing but value for money, he plays a lot of ball for Connor. Um, and he always seems to, even in some of his lesser games, you can never do, uh, knock his effort. He does amazing work to get around the park. And I think that is always notable. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, of the non, of the international signings that we've had, I think he's definitely right up there he's definitely the best i think of the last couple of years yeah you, you touched on his work ethic and his work rate it is it's it's, it's incredible like he never half asses the game and god knows i'm sure there's some games he would have happily done it uh but even like you know the video that they released a couple of a couple of it was like last week of him coming out uh into the under the pitch um you know like that's just it's a great video you can kind of see how much the celebration of the try at the weekend um, you know he was loving loving it, and he you can tell he, it does mean a lot to him to play for this club. 
um, and fantastic to keep them keep them signed on. But uh, hopefully they did say more announcements later in the week. Uh, so hopefully we get some more positive news as well because uh, we are all on tenterhooks about that. But let's get stuck into the Connacht game. So Connacht uh, had a, a fantastic win on Saturday evening uh, against a young and inexperienced brief team. Nine tries Connacht scored. That is not a typo. Uh, that is that is a 56-point win, uh, a scoreline of 61 points to five. Um, it was, I was, I was actually the only one of us at the game. Weird atmosphere. Uh, a lot of a lot of fans didn't quite know what to do with themselves. You know, not a position that kind of find themselves in regularly. Uh, normally, there's a lot of fear. I I will say when Brave scored that try in the second half, a lot of sphincters tightened. Uh, a little bit of a here we go again kind of thing. But it was never in doubt. It was a fantastic win. Sam, obviously a weird one to evaluate because of how one side of the game was. Brave sent over by no means the strongest team that they could. Um, but Connacht, you know, played played what was in front of them, and I thought executed very, very well overall. That's precisely it. You have to take this as played what's in front of them. I've seen a couple of people try to talk it down a little bit on forums and online, and say, you know, oh, that was a brave third string team or an inexperienced team. And I went through the back line when we were looking at the game, and it was very inexperienced. Outside of the captain, uh, was it Nico Lee in the center? There, there was a lot of, you know, Rafi's 18, he's a couple of caps, but there's a lot of them with like sub 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 four appearances this season in that back line. And then we, we know what Papali and what Tumag can do, but they had young, they had 20 year old second row. So there was people saying that as if they've taken away from Connacht's victory. But I think you have to really appreciate what Connacht did because we were critical of Connacht in the past. We were critical of them in the first time they played Breve. We were critical of them with the Sharks win. Uh, we are critical of them a number of times in the past, in the recent past for not putting the foot in the throat, not doing what Leinster do. When Leinster play a team that aren't as good as Leinster, Leinster put up 50 points. You know, that that's what they do week in, week out. And we've been very critical of Connick for not being able to do that. And I think that this was a game where they said, no, you know what, fuck it, we're going to. Don't care who you put in front of us. We're going to stick to the game plan as much as possible. Got a little bit disjointed at parts because obviously people got a little white line fever. But I think that on the whole, they did stick to a game plan. They stuck to a simpler game plan than they've played earlier on in the season. I think it worked for them effectively. You know, the runners off Jack were sensational. The likes of Prendo for that break for Woot's try. That was exactly like we've seen Anne Murray do in the last couple of weeks. And uh, Connor Oliver's been doing it regularly. So the game plan was there and they stuck to it and they decided to put the foot in the throat and really go for it and give a statement win that ha- has been needed all season and we've been asking for all season. And the other parts of the game that we've been asking for, you know, keeping it tight, playing it smart, Jack just commanding a game and being a bit more inventive the way Jack can be, because I think he has been in a shell a little bit in the last couple of weeks. And I, I, you know, he's a confidence player and the confidence grew with that. Uh, getting a big win like that, scoring early, keeping them to a low amount, not getting dominated. All of these are things that we asked for. And when they deliver it, I don't think it's fair to talk them down and say, oh, the, the team they played weren't up to it because they can only play who's in front of them. It's not up to them who briefs send over. So you know, I'm chuffed with the win because it could have easily, we could have easily won. 28-21, got the bonus point victory, but not being as ecstatic as we are. We saw some excellent play. We saw Porchy two minutes into a score and a try. We saw Jack with a crossfield kick. Jack eight from nine off the tee. That's something else we've asked for this season and he delivered and we have to appreciate that and you have to say fair dues to him because you know his confidence has been a bit lower and thing. And then you have some performances there that really warranted commending. I thought personally, Carl Ford again stepped up in that 12, which has been, you know, a little bone of contention the last week or so in the media and also in the last season it's not been nailed down who is the 12 and he's he's put his hand up and said fuck it I'll take it and Ralston his best game that he had for Connacht so far defensively he was a monster he can hit and he wants to hit so I was chuffed with the win and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything about who we were playing against because you can't choose that you know you, you can play who's in front of you and you you have to really like when you're Connacht, you have to appreciate a win like that it's not like the RDS we don't get that every week we're not used to it so like you said little bit kind of strange but not knowing what to do but i ah, just reveling in it yeah 100 percent. like what i what impressed me the most was they scored five tries in the first half and they scored four in the second half so they d- definitely as you said it got a bit disjointed in the second half but they kept playing up until the last try was 76 minutes Um, you know they could have easily mailed it in once they were 30 40 plus up uh but they didn't they kept going and i think you mentioned about jack that was that could be the exact game he needed where everything 
it was probably it was like playing you know playing Madden on easy mode a little bit where you can start to try things and there's no real repercussions but he needed that eight from nine they were all really good strikes they were all he scored two off the post but the rest of them were splitting the posts um and he was yeah picking lines picking lovely passes it was the jack that we know is there just needs needs to come out a bit more uh, and a game like that could be exactly what was needed uh wesley what was your thoughts on this game overall anything that we haven't covered no i think you guys have said most of it i think um you know i think to a certain level you can say it was like let's say with the sharks game last week you can say Oh yeah, it was a great win, but now it was a week in Sharks team. You can say, yeah, yeah, but the boys did well, whatever. I think when you're putting 61 points on the team, or sorry, um, 56 points on the team, you, you've broken a record. You, like we are now the highest scoring team against Breve in Europe. Like you, when you when someone sends a weakened team and you do that to them, then yeah. Like, I don't think you can say, oh, but it was a weakened team. It's like, yeah, of course it was. Like, and we punished them for it, which isn't something that we're famous for doing. There's a lot of times this season, and we all said it at halftime, that like, I tweeted it, like, I was like, I hope we can keep this up. I, I would love to see us push on because you know, I, don't think, I think that's the first time we've scored more than five tries in a game this season, if not more than four. I think we got five tries in one game. Um, <coughs> but we kept the pressure on. We, we, we started that second half from scratch and said, let's build again and score. Um, I think you can't take anything away from Connacht. That's what you should do when a team send a, a weak inversion to you. You should be have that clinicality to be able to tear them apart. And I think that's really, really promising to see that come out from Connacht. And as well, as you guys have already said, Jack Carthy had an outstanding game. That's even more impressive. You have to remember, that wasn't Connacht's you know, top team either. We had Colin O'Reilly starting his first game at nine, and we had Carl Ford, who's not a centre, playing 12, although he's uh, becoming uh, you know, more and more of a centre every week. So Jack has this amazing game while he has two young and experienced players next to him. So I think that's even more impressive. I think a lot of players put their hands up who were getting chances. I thought, you know, I know it's obvious because he's man of the match and got a hat-trick, but I thought Alex Wooten was outstanding. Like, that was, you know, he's really put his hand up. And after that game, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, I actually do hope we keep Alex Wooten because he's a great player. And we had the, we had the experiment, in inverted commas, of Mac at fullback. And look how well that went. So we also took chances in that game. We mixed our, t- our selection up. We mixed our positioning up. And I think it went really well for us. I think, yeah, it was a weakened team. It's worth mentioning. But it doesn't take anything away from it. We, we put a really good score against a, an inferior team. We showed our technicality and our edge and our ability. And I just hope, and as you guys said, that gives us the confidence now in the game plan to push on. Because... Uh, the game in two weeks against Lions is now really what I'm thinking about. But the guys also have to get through this away to Newcastle. And that's going to be a difficult place to go no matter what team they put up. Yeah, they need. we don't really know what they need yet. Do we fully from that game to guarantee a home draw? I think it obviously depends maybe other results. But I think obviously if you win, you do get that. But maybe a losing yeah, bonus we've point. guaranteed qualification. Yeah, we've guaranteed to be through the knockout stage, which is great. And that was the goal, I'm sure, set it out. But uh, we probably won't know until that weekend if we're going to qualify with uh, the home field advantage, which is important. There's no doubt about that. Um yeah, I definitely want to highlight, as you kind of already highlighted, of good players. Obviously, Wooten was fantastic. Sam mentioned Byron Ralston, and I don't know if it came across on TV as it did in person. He was a menace uh, all night. I'm surprised if he didn't have to pee in a cup after that game because he looked like he was juiced to the gills. He was incredible. By far his best game, and not that he's had bad games, but just by far his standout game. Um, well, let's talk quickly about Mac at full back. Sam, do Connacht look to play him there more often now? Is that the answer to our fifteen questions? They seem how they seem to have been reluctant to do so, um, in you know in normal games. I think it's for sure an answer. I don't think it's the answer because he will be involved with Ireland and he'll they'll want him playing a little bit of left wing, a little bit of right wing because that's where he's going to be because he's Hugo Keane ahead of him. But he's also an answer for Ireland if you want a utility back. You know, you want someone that can move in full back if you want to bring a winger on. So. It doesn't hurt his chances at all. I remember when he first came, him saying that his preferred position was fullback, but he played a game or two and he scored that try against the Bulls for us in on a wet day. Uh, and just after Westy had written him off uh, in his first game, he got a yellow card. And Westy said he was just the worst player. He said he'd drive back to the airport. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, after that, no, he, he ripped it up at wing. And I think that they just decided not to pursue the fullback thing because he was doing so well at wing. Uh, so... Now that he's shown, you know, he's, he's played his fullback and he said that was his preferred position when he arrived, uh, it will happen a lot more. I think you can't overstate really how important. We said it last week, 
Tiernan is maybe in terms of defensive organization, but that's something Jack uh, Mac probably command as well. Uh, probably not tested defensively enough in that game to really know for sure. But what he did bring was a lot more interplay, a lot of what he likes to do, which is to get in the second receiver, to get into an alternative receiver position. He does it a lot from the left wing for Ireland and he does it a little bit for us. Uh, he likes loop and he likes playing off players. And I think that that was evident in him and Wooten really linked up very well. And like Wesley said, Wooten wasn't just, it wasn't just the fact he got a hat-trick. He was phenomenal in everything. He was aggressive defensively. He was interplaying very well coming off his wing which isn't something he did very much last year, but he did a lot more in this first year. So, you know, Mac moving to fullback might also be beneficial to the likes of Wooten and Adam Byrne, uh, Dermot Kilgallen. You know, we have a plethora of wings that are excellent. And fullback has been a little bit of an up-in-the-air question for the last while. So it could it could really benefit us in the long run and benefit him, his career. You know, he said himself with the haircut, he was saying he just kind of got himself in a little bit stagnant kind of, Felt he wasn't playing his best rugby. And maybe a game like that will, like we said with Jack, would bring that out of him as well. You know, he got more time in the ball. He was very creative. He was involved in most, if not everything. So uh, I do think, I think it's definitely an answer to the fullback conversation. I think another one is, I just have my eye on Shane Jennings. I've, I've been excited to see him since he kind of broke into the team a little bit at centre last year, but he's been playing a lot of fullback for Bucks. And I think he, you know, from talking to people who know him as a player from youth, I think he has played a good bit of fullback as well. And he's lightning quick. So, you know, having him as another option next year, maybe it'll be it'll be brilliant because I don't know if Tiernan will be signed on again. You know, he's he's been involved a lot, so you wouldn't be surprised if he was signed on again, but he's he's just not been his his best. He's not been bad, but he's just not been his best. And I think that, you know, the likes of uh, Mac showed us there what you can have from a playmaking fullback. Yeah, it's, 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 look, it's a good uh, head scratcher to have for the coach, kind of coaching staff. Um We'll have to talk. We'll finish up the Connacht kind of talk now. We have to talk about a bad uh, headache that coaching staff seem to have at the moment with Connacht, and that's Bundyaki. Um, the Independent obviously released an article today, Rory Connor saying that Friendly was asked after the game about if the centrally contracted uh, midfielder, in this case obviously Bundy, would be back next week, and Friend simply said he's training. Um, then he would not expand beyond that. So obviously the question is, is it fitness related? Is it down to an attitude issue? Uh, it's been a weird season for Bundy. Obviously this eight-week suspension, um, coming back from the from the Irish duties, he's supposed to be rested, but I don't think any of us expected him to be rested this much. He's only played five times for Connacht this year. Um, and it just, yeah, he, like, you know, he's, he seems to be away a lot in holidays, which is totally obviously okay if that's agreed upon. But... Westy, were f- it's a weird atmosphere around Bunny at the moment. Yeah, like he's not even he wasn't even at the game. I don't think at the weekend. Um, he was. I think he was abroad again. I could be wrong on that. But wh- what's your views on this uh, situation with Bundy at the moment? Yeah, it's a funny one because of the you know the New Zealand tour and stuff, and obviously the kind of extended season last year. He had a bit of a rest at the end of the summer and. He had the ban, but he was in Ireland camp the whole time, as far as I'm aware. So that means he's still entitled to his IRFU holidays. So he did get a couple of weeks off around Christmas. Um, it's a tough one to tell. I think Friendy has a lot of options at centre that he wanted to try out. I, I don't think, you know, they've kind of said a little bit already that we're going to be trying different combinations in the Challenge Cup. So I don't think that's necessarily the best games to judge it on. I think when we come back into the regular season, although it'll be a brief period of availability, if we get into a stage where he's not starting in those games against uh, against Lions, and I can't remember who who comes after that. Um, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, we play Lions, and then I think we have the two weeks off. But then, sorry, we have Zebra Dragons back to back. Yeah. So look, it'll be interesting to see if he, if he's back in the squad, even for the Newcastle game and that game. If we don't see him at all before the Six Nations, then that's kind of a worrying sign. We have heard a little bit throughout the last couple of years that he has had niggly injuries on and off. So perhaps it's not as sinister as, as it's being painted by the independent. You know, they love a good clickbait article. Um, but Friendy could also just be reluctant to show his hand, you know, to say he's training. Like you might not, might not want to say like, oh, he pulled a hamstring last week. He's a worry or he has this problem or that problem. He, he doesn't want to give that information out necessarily. So to answer that he, he's training, look, it, 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 it does sound as if, Perhaps he's just not being... Well, maybe he wasn't considered for the brief game. I wouldn't be surprised with that at all. But I don't think it's as sinister as the Independent are trying to make it sound. 
No, I think you're right too. Look, it's a quick. It's amazing how quickly the rumor mill starts up uh, about players like this. And like Rory, obviously asks, is it an attitude issue? I doubt highly it's an attitude issue. Um, I just look probably yeah, like Bundy's career probably after the World Cup this year. Who knows what's going to happen with Bundy? Um, but my only wish is that obviously that it it ends on good terms. If he is to retire, if he is to leave Connacht, leave Ireland. Um, obviously everyone would want him to give you know a great send off, you know to end it on good terms. So I just hope there isn't uh, you know a rift in in camp over and like this. It is unlike friendly yeah. to be so short in terms of interviews. But like as you said, maybe he he knows he's talking to someone from the independent. You know I'm sure your attitudes change depending on who you're I, talking to as well. I also think that like just to jump in again quickly, my, the the cynical part of my brain like. The, the media in Ireland and particular outlets in, you know, are examples of this have tried to undercut Bundy's relevance to the Irish team many times in the past, even when he was banned there in the last time. So that's probably the end of his Ireland career. Like he's essentially contracted. That's not the end of his Ireland career. How like, many times have we heard that's the last time we see him in green? Like fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> like we got that, when he got sent off for the World Cup, people were like, oh, he'll never play for Ireland again. It's like, Yes, he will. <laughs> well, anyway, with, that no. be, with that being said, Westy, Rory finishes this article by saying Stuart McCluskey started all three games in November and looks likely to hold on to that number 12 shirt as it stands. Does he look likely to hold on to that 12 shirt? That's, uh, I say, a big assumption considering how bad Ulster have been the last few weeks and that Farrell has gone with Bundy mostly whenever fit and available in, in, in big games. Uh, yeah, so like I agree totally, Westy. Like that, that 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 ending of that article would suggest that Rory wants to see Stuart McCluskey maybe a twelve uh, over Bundy. But uh, again, we are also assuming there too. But um, we just hope to see Bundy play. We obviously want him to play as much as possible for Connacht, but it's not always possible with his uh, inclusion in Ireland squads and obviously World Cup year as well. Look, he's he's a lot of miles on the body, Sam, as well, isn't it? Like, he's he's probably not ever going to be back to his best physically ever again. No, there's probably some sort of explanation for this. Uh, most of what I, the way I feel about it is probably Friendly answered something and the way it's written is taking a quote and using it in a context that, that shapes an entire article because you need to write an article about something. Friendly probably just answered the question. He's training. Uh, other players are, you know, playing in a little better form or have been around more this year or have been working on something and he wants to, you know, he wants to give like Kyle Ford was unbelievable the week before last. So why would he not keep the 12 shirt this week? And you've got Lions in two weeks who, you know, they're not necessarily the best team, but they'll be big and they'll be heavy and they'll need a leader. And there are other players there that will need a break. So Bundy could come back into it. I'd say there's probably a more obvious and actual answer to this. It just, it goes... It, it's funny the timing because it goes with a little bit of speculation that's been happening in the last few weeks because he's not been involved and we've been waiting for him to be involved because as Connick fans, you know, we love Bundyaki. You see, like when they interview kids before matches or in the in the program, it's always who's your favorite player. And Bundy is 99% of the time included as that favorite player. He's our favorite player. He's probably one of the best, if not the best signings of Connick's history. Uh, he's taken Connick to such heights as a player. So you'd love to see him involved a bit more, but obviously his inclusion in Ireland has stopped that in the last year or two. And he's also, he has had niggly injuries, like he's hobbling around, but he's such a battler and such a wa- uh, warrior that he does want to, you know, he wants to give his all when he's there. So, you know, he plays on, like, you know, plays fully strapped up because he's not fully fit, but he'll always give his all. So I'd say there's probably less to it really than Rory O'Connor wants, uh, but it's just an it's an independent article. So it's always going to have some sort of slant or some sort of sellable, you know, headline, clickable headline, because... I mean, said like I can be critical of the independent all I want. As soon as it was all, I clicked in and read the feckin' article. So I've done exactly what it's it's aimed at doing. Uh, I would like to, you know, I would like to hear some some sort of conclusion to it, or just see some sort of conclusion to it, and see him maybe included in the Newcastle game if if possible. Because you know, you just want to see him on the pitch more so as a Connacht fan. Because it would be a shame, you know, if he goes into the if he goes to the World Cup and then he isn't capable of play, playing after that, or he, you know, his, his time on the pitch gets it's managed a lot more like Sexton's does, you know, because he has had his injuries as miles and clock, like you said. He's put his body through absolute hell for Connacht and for Ireland. If the do, if you do see a managing of his minutes, you know it'd be a shame to not kind of not you know just appreciate all the, all the times that you do get to see him while he is there because he is just such a such an iconic figure in Connacht. Yeah, we'll also say that this article was one of the few that aren't behind a paywall uh, when it comes to the Indo. Yeah. So maybe you know 
that's look read it read into it what you would but uh we'll leave the connect stuff there um just a lot of people have been asking about the bunny situation we don't know but uh we hope to obviously hear some good news uh in the coming weeks um we will move on to leinster they continue their dominating winning ways winning away to gloucester 49 points 14 um, Jamie Osborne is kind of the main talking point coming out of this game. He was fantastic for them. Um, just another one of the youngsters that keeps coming through the system. Uh, but Sam, obviously another Im- impressive win from Leinster. I-, I was asking this on Twitter. I don't really know if actually anyone got back to me on it. But is Leinster like five meters out, tap and go, like one of the most unstoppable moves in rugby at the moment? Yeah, it's funny because before the, the 50 or before the, the goal line dropout, you would have said Leinster tapping it and going from five meters out with their hooker and just mauling it or, or driving it into oblivion before, you know, getting a scrum and then doing the same thing over and over again was an inevitable try, but they've, they've managed to work around since that. Uh, was it the Bulls pulled something out against them and they decided they'd take note of it and they've started doing stuff. Evander Fleer has been involved. Alto was involved at the weekend. Uh, and it's just, it's so deadly because a team like Leinster are so sharp in everything that they do. They're, they're so effective in everything they do that all three of the runners off, was it Doris who had the ball and gave the little round the back pass to Aladdin for the try? All three of the runners were potential options and Doris. So you have to bite in on someone and someone is eventually going, is, is inevitably going to be missed. And I believe firmly that with the, the way that they were all running and the players that were involved in the running, I believe that Doris made the decision, you know, heads up rugby and saw what was in front of him and saw that Aladdin was the option. If someone had bitten on Alatoa, Doris keeps it himself or he gives it another one. I genuinely believe that because of how well drilled they are. I think they're like a good American football team with route running. I think that they have options in everything that they do and they're all good enough to uh, execute any of the options. So it is, yeah, it's it's unbelievably difficult to defend against when they're running like that. And it's actually more difficult to defend against than what they were previously doing, which was just being stronger than you and bullying their way over. But it looks like, you know, maybe an answer to some a question that was asked by La Rochelle and by Saracens in the past. Uh, if you can't go through them, you might as well go around them or be smarter than them. So fair play to them for coming up with it. And it was just so lovely to watch. Like, I was all walked in. Like, it's, how often is a prop going to get to walk in over the line? You know, usually they're the props are the lads that when the pile comes up and they go, oh, and it's a little toe with the try and they have to wait and to find out. But not that time. You just got to walk in there. So it was a, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable to watch. As a Connick fan, it's scary, the proposition of having to play them twice a year. Uh, and then last year, we had to play them two more times in two weeks, which was no fun at all. But uh, yeah, if they can keep doing it and bring it into Ireland, I, I think it'll just add another feather to the bow of the Irish team, uh, which is you know the, the one benefit of Leinster being as good as they are. Yeah, exactly. I think the only other team that are as close to them is probably Connacht from Tap and Goes. That's how you know how good Connacht are Tap and Goes, you know. I think Connacht are like zero from ten, maybe Tap uh, and no. Goes. <laughs> I, I'm counting Jack Carty's massive crossfield kick to porch as a tap and go. It is it technically a, it is a tap and, and go. Tapped, yeah. You just right. tapped it really far. Yeah, you're right. That's I was yeah. trying to I was trying to for ages today make a gif. Uh, I I'm not good at making gifs, but I have a gif editing software. I was trying to make a gif of uh the the friend the, the brave defender with like other teams written on him and the ball saying new contract and Porchy flying through and grabbing it. But it was like 45 minutes into trying to make it. And I was like, I have to work. So I'm gonna yeah, stop. Is, is it going to be worth it when four people like the fucking thing? You know what I mean? Uh, Westy, just one quick question to you before we wrap this up. Ross Byrne, another good game. He's kind of riding a wave of momentum. Irish squad being announced as Thursday for Six Nations. Do you expect to see Ross Byrne's name on that squad? Um, I I do, yeah. I think. See again, Ross Burnham is an interesting point because like, he's been steadily going about his business for Leinster for the last three or four years. Like I think it's very rare he's actually had a bad game for them. He just kind of started to get overshadowed by the media's obsession with his younger brother. Um, the only thing that would make me uh, maybe doubt his inclusion is um, <clears throat> the, the, the way the kind of Irish team is being tipped to go is that we would have two out-and-out tens and then somebody who either, like a Frawley who covers centre or someone else. Now, the other way of looking at that is that, okay, they might have Crowley in because he he, he's been playing a bit of centre for Munster, but they could look at it as a, as a case where Joey Carberry is your backup fullback and then your two out-and-out tens are, are, are Ross and, and Johnny. So um, 
I don't think it's I don't think it's like a definite to be on the squad. I wouldn't be overly shocked. I think he's probably um I think in a lot of ways he's earned it. He's definitely earned his name being front and center of that conversation. Um whether or not it falls through depends on what kind of squad they pick because I think Yes, they are going to be focused on winning this Six Nations. They're not going to be thinking beyond the last game necessarily. But one of the one of the aspects beyond the Six Nations that they may consider is that they will have a limited squad size in the World Cup and they may want to emulate that squad running through this Six Nations. Yes, that their focus will be on winning these games, winning the Six Nations, but they may say, okay, let's pick it as a World Cup squad and treat it as a, as a mini World Cup and focus entirely on this. So I think in that sense, you know, Having three tens, for having three tens who are only tens is an interesting one. I think it's one of the reasons Frawley shot the front of the conversation in the last 12 months is because of his ability to play centre as well. So that may be the only thing that, that keeps Ross burning out. But if you look at Ross and Johnny as you're out now tens, and then Carberry as a possibility to cover fullback, then that opens the door, I think, for the conversation of, of Ross Byrne. Yeah, I, I, I think he's uh, one thing I would say about Ross, I do think he's underrated. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be disappointed to see him in the squad, which I think is you know probably a, a good compliment to give to him. I wouldn't be like, oh God, like Ross Burns there purely on the fact that he plays for Leinster. I think he's been really, really good the last couple of weeks. Uh, since that kind of South Africa game, he really has been has been good. So uh, I'd like to see him in there uh, myself. I wouldn't be too disappointed. Um, we'll move on to Ulster. Their losing ways continue, unfortunately. They nearly had one of the weirdest results, weirdest wins in Champions Cup history. Uh, they were 3 0 up. Uh, in, in fairness, the weather, I think, uh, played havoc in the game. So that's why it was so low scoring. But away to La Rochelle, 3 0 on the verge of a, of a big victory. It maybe won to turn their season around. And in the 80th minute, uh, La Rochelle pop up to try to, to break their hearts. And we it was on the same time as Connacht. We were in the crowd, myself and Aina were watching the game, refreshing Google. We sort of knew it was coming, Sam, didn't we? I think it was just one of those things where you're like, I'm waiting for the seven to pop up beside La Rochelle. And, uh, and it did another another weird another weird result for, uh, for Ulster. It's really harsh on Ulster as well, because they actually played quite well in what looked like horrendous conditions. I watched it. Uh, this afternoon when I got back from work, uh, having not seen it by seeing the result and knowing the result. And I, I think they're desperately unlucky. I think McFarland is right when he says that they deserved a penalty try. There was four or five penalties. They got a yellow card for collapsing malls uh, and offsides around the malls. Was it late on in the first half? And I, I genuinely, I agree with him. I think that that should have been a penalty try at some point. The ref, no, like La Rochelle knew exactly what they're doing. They, execute, they executed a cynical game plan to bring that down before it got any mo- momentum. But, the Ulster uh, Mall had proven that it was able and capable of moving La Rochelle. I think there was a Timoney dropped one over the line earlier on in the game. So they, they can feel very unlucky and aggrieved by the result. I think La Rochelle, they did what they needed to do in the end and they got over through sheer brute force at the very end. But Ulster, Ulster, I thought, were much, much better than they'd been in the last few weeks. And there were some, some key players in that. I thought Doak had a better game than he's had in the last few weeks. And you know he, he came with such high... Uh, reports of his ability and maybe the hype was a little high because he's a kicking nine, you know, and you get that at Ulster, he scored a couple of winners. Ben Healy got the same treatment at Munster. When you kick a few winners, suddenly your ability gets kind of skyrocketed in the media, but he he had a very good game. Uh, but Henderson had a good game. Then when he went off, Ulster, they lost a little bit of their shape, uh, but he was he was so aggressive for the 60 minutes he was on. Uh, and I can't, I, I hope now, I, I think he had a bit of a knock, so hopefully for Ireland's sake that that's nothing uh, but Ulster will they'll be annoyed about the result because it was a result they needed given the last couple of weeks and it's just another time now that they've given up a lead but it's only a 3-0 lead so it's not even really a lead in rugby any score would have overturned it uh, which is the disappointing part for them because I think they should have gotten a try earlier on and they deserved a try earlier on for it uh, in terms of the rest of the Champions Cup for them if the league, if the Champions Cup was to finish right now guess where they'd be? They'd be playing Connacht in the Challenge Cup, which is just so annoying because if that happens, you just fucking know what's going to happen. But I don't think it will because I can't see their, them being in the same position after the sale game. I think they'll beat Sale at the weekend. Uh, and I think that Connacht will beat Newcastle, but I don't think they'll get the five points because it's going to be such a difficult away. And uh, Newcastle is zero points uh, looking at the table, which is like very interesting from my, our point of view. But I also just don't think that they're... Think, they're going to be a rollover team. So it will change up based on that. And I, I, if they beat Sale, I think that they can stay in the Champions Cup, which given the first two weeks, 
they'll be quite happy with because they were shocking the first two weeks. But, you know, getting that bonus point in the last game and then in this game has actually put them in a, not a good stead. You know, they're, they're still only on two points, but it'll, you know, it'll help them in the long run in terms of, or they have three points, sorry. Uh, it'll help them in the long run in terms of getting uh, getting through to the knockouts, which I think that they can get if they beat Sale. So. Yeah, Westy, also dropping down the Challenge Cup. Um, w- how would you view their fans' opinion on if they if they do make a good run in the Challenge Cup? Is that is that a trophy they really want to win? Is it look silverware, silverware, and they haven't won one in a long time? But when you're aiming, when your aims are Champions Cup to drop down and make a good run in the Challenge Cup, does it soften the blow at all of this recent form? Yeah, I, I think it does a little bit. I, I think, I do think to a certain extent, especially with, with the likes of Ulster, Silverware, 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 Silverware to most teams, you know, you want to win competitions that you're in. So if you get back into, if you get down into the Challenge Cup and you make a good run of it, it's still the last, whatever, 16 of the Challenge Cup. It's, it's you know, it's a decent level at that stage. You know, it is decent teams that, that at the minute it looks like will will kick on. Um you would be disappointed. I think. I think. Unfortunately, the the sale game has set a, an unfortunate tone for the um, for this competition for them. And then, obviously, having the champions twice is pretty tough. Um, it, it was a pretty. It was a pretty dogged performance from Ulster. I think they can take a lot from it. I know I've said that before, and it doesn't really ever seem to help anybody. But um, the, the, they'll kick themselves for not taking the opportunities that they had. They probably should have had a penalty try after the yellow card. There's two or three penalty advantages in that phase and it's not given. Um, but yeah, I think if you end up in the Challenge Cup, I think they'll want to make a run of it. I think they'll want to claw back some pride and that's the best way to do it. Leinster, uh, I think it was five years ago, six years ago, went down to the Challenge Cup and they made a, a run and, and won it. And nobody was too obsessed at the end of the season about getting that trophy, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's just interesting to kind of try and, I'd love to, I must ask an Ulster fan about it. Um, nice to see Alton Delan play uh, 60 minutes here for La Rochelle, uh, fair play to him, but uh, yeah, interesting to see how Ulster kind of react to this over the coming weeks. Um, last province in action was Munster, they had a dogged 27-23 to 23 point win over Northampton Saints, Saints uh, going down to 14 men early on this game, Jack O'Donoghue 22 minutes in, uh, short after scoring a try. Uh, he gets sent off, and they kind of they battle really well. And look, it, it's just it continues the upward trend for for Munster. Um, Westy like wins like this, and they're forming the league. I don't think too many teams would fancy seeing Munster now come you know knockout stages this Champions Cup, right? Because they're just kind of hitting the stride at the right time. We all know how how you know tough they are to really kill off. Uh, it looks only positive for Munster going on. Yeah, yeah, I think um, look at. They, they kind of gave, well, it was kind of said that this year was going to be focused on rebuilding and, and restructuring. And look, it was it was worrying some of the results they got early on in the season. I, I know there was a lot of frustration in the camp, but they trusted the system and, and now they seem to be coming through the other end of it. Um, they still managed to build that lead in the first place and they still managed to hold on to it, which, is, which are both, are two both, are both two really impressive, uh, really impressive things. Um and what's great to see is that, you know, we've said it before about in the uh, Heineken Cup last year, that they, they put out a young team because they had, had players took in South Africa and they won. And then we didn't see many of those young players again for the rest of the year. So the fact that uh, Graham Roundtree is rewarding young players when they're playing well and keeping them in squads and encouraging them to kick on, I think that's the really important part. It's not just... Um, oh, when our flagship players are back, when we have O'Mahony and Murray, we've a pretty good chance of winning these games. No, you've got the likes of Paddy Patterson playing really well. You've got Craig Casey. You've got Coombs, who's going from strength to strength. Like it's, it's, I think if you're a Munster fan, um, you're really, I'd be really happy with talking out that win. I think, I think it was really impressive. And I think that you're happy with where the season is going. From a season that maybe early on you didn't have much expectations for, I think you're sitting in a really good position in both competitions now. Yeah, I was looking at the table here. They're sixth in Pool B, uh, but they're only four points behind the top. But uh, I'm looking in that pool, and look, look, Munster are in a, in a really good spot right now. They're they're thriving in the league, uh, and only going to seem to be getting better. Um, Joey seems to have picked it up. I think the presence of Jack has definitely upped his game a little bit. And then having Jack Cryer to come on to finish off games, or maybe come on and go ten, and Joey go to fifteen. Um, you know, it's it's a lovely combo. You know, it'll soften the blow of, of losing the best player ever in Ben Healy. 
Um, so sorry I couldn't resist. It was too easy. I apologize, Munster fans. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting. Uh, Sam, and add to, to Munster's Champions Cup. Well, just a couple of things from the game. Uh, the red card for Jack O'Donoghue. I was playing well at the time, but what really helped them get over the line was the fact that they scored just after that, or they scored a couple of minutes after that. Was Coombs got over the line. Uh, so they're going into the half with that little extra bounce because you could be going into the half. If they didn't score that, they're still up a couple of points. But with Jack O'Donoghue down, you know, it's a lot more daunting. Uh, but having that try under their belt uh, just to show that they can bully even with the 14, then, you know, some a lot of defending that needed to be doing in the second half and uh, Northampton kind of tipped away at it uh, quite professionally, just trying to get to it. And then in my mind, shot their kecks and didn't go for it with about 10, 11 minutes to go, put the penalty over. And I'd say Munster in my, I'd say at the time, were so relieved that they went for that penalty just to get them within three points at the time. I think it was three points at the time because Northampton could have gone and they could have gone and gotten in the draw and then stolen a win there. Uh, and I'd say Munster, then Munster answered that with a penalty before Northampton got another one. Uh, that, that to me was the, the losing of the game for Northampton which was there for them, but Munster had built the lead enough and had played well uh, through players like Coombs, who really seems to have stepped up since he's, was he left out of the, or was he omitted from the Irish uh, international camp in November? Or did he, he played the, I can't remember now offhand, but did he play the, the All Blacks 15 game? Yeah, he played and the then, Ireland Day game, yeah. Yeah, and then didn't play and was left the camp and back to Munster. So he's, he's taken that to heart and he's really, stepped his game up and he's playing everything about what he does not just his barreling over from two yards is huge and a player like that on that sort of form is going to be integral to them going anywhere in in Europe and in the league and then Salanoa again was I thought he was so solid and I've been really impressed with him this year and that's an area that their fans have listened to Owen Harrison you know for the last couple of years and that's an area where their fans have been worried about Munster and just not being beefy enough and not being big enough but I think Salanoa has really grown into the player that people thought he would be and that Lancer were really annoyed with leaving at the time. So their, their European campaign could move on. And like you said, with the attitude that they have and the, the level of play that first half was sensational to watch. I thought that they were brilliant. The level of play that they're bringing right now under Roundtree and Prendergast, I think, yeah, like you said, not many teams will really want to draw them in the, the latter stages of this. So it's a, it's a good time to be a Munster fan now, you know, and you know how, how those things can change very quickly. Like it was a good time to be an Ulster fan until a month ago. And now it's like the worst time ever. So that can change, but they do seem to be really enjoying themselves and that's helping eke out those sort of results. So fair play them for getting over the line, even with the 14 men, because, you know, a lot of talk in the last while about 14 men being the ruining of games, but they still managed to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll finish up. We'll finish on this story. We could not talk about it. Australia appoint Eddie Jones, sack Dave Rennie. Uh, Eddie Jones is straight in with the Australia. Also over the, uh, the sorry, what is it called? The women's team, the Wallaroos, I believe they're called. Um, he's over them as well. Um, so Jones said in a statement, it's a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to come home to Australia and lead my nation to a Rugby World Cup. It's going to be an immense period of Australian rugby. As a proud Australian, it's a great honour to be able to come home and lead the national team during these years. Um, this came out of left field. I did not expect this to happen. I don't think anyone really did. did they? Maybe they did after the dismissal of, of Jones from England. Um, Westy, this, this, you can say a lot about Eddie Jones. The man is entertainment, right? He, just, he, he never leaves you too bored when it comes to rugby. Yeah, he gives us a he gives us a lot to talk about. Maybe we should uh, send him a thank you note or something. Um, yeah, it was shocking. I mean, I, I had heard all right that he'd been offered the uh, the America job, um, and I thought, and that was an eight year deal. So I thought that was kind of a no brainer for him to go over there. He'd have he would probably have free reign. He wouldn't have a lot of accountability, and he'd have time to build up to their World Cup. But I guess it's not that shocking when you know your home country offers you a job um, that you take it. You know. Um, he has been in charge in, in Australia before. He brought them to a World Cup final. Like um, now, they didn't win it. Obviously, they were beaten by England. But um, it's it's a fantastic place to be. And he's been a part of the South African uh, coach ticket when they won it in two thousand seven, I think. Um, and we've said before, he's an innovator when it comes to rugby. You know what, what he does is what everyone does a year later. So um, what I'm just really excited for is uh, when Australia knock England out in the quarter final. Um, because that will probably be the funniest thing to ever happen. Yeah. 
or even okay, like like joking aside, they they're in line to play each other in that quarterfinal, you know. So that'll be really really interesting to see um, what's changed. Um, it'll be interesting to see as well if if you know Dave Rennie's built a really good Australia squad, like they were riddled with injuries for the last couple of months in their tour. So a lot of those results aren't fair, but they also really put it to Ireland. They really put it to France. They they put in great performances. So it'll be interesting to see how much of a change up he makes in the World Cup. Because remember similar to Borthwick, he's been given two World Cups. He got a five-year deal. So this is a free roll of the dice for him again. So will he, will he continue with what we thought he was trying to build in England with that kind of um, multi kind of changing pods, depending, changing pod structures, depending on the position of the pitch and the situation that you're in? Um, or will he think of something else absolutely crazy and try to implement it in six months? I, I don't know. It'll be really, really interesting. Yeah, I, you can already... I can already expect the, the media games he plays if they are playing England that World Cup quarterfinal. Like he will be box office. Uh, Sam, West kind of touching it. Disappointing and, and, and a tough break for Dave Rennie. I think we all saw that Australia were, were have turned a corner. We're building something there. They, they've been very competitive in the autumn. Um, some new, you know, incredible players coming up. To be sacked like that, uh, it must be a, a bitter pill to swallow. For him, definitely a really bit of a call. And I was quite surprised when I saw it this morning, but actually from talking to a friend of mine and he just put it to me like this, he said, yeah, you're surprised because Rennie was doing all right. But if you're the board in Australia and you're overlooking it and you see that Eddie Jones is available and you go, can David Rennie win us the World Cup? And I think most people say no. But the squad with a coach like Eddie Jones, you say, can Eddie Jones win us the World Cup? Yeah, it could be like the Razzie Erasmus for South Africa in the last World Cup that question needed to be asked. And by giving him the five-year deal, I think that they proved that, he, you know, they believe that he can win the World Cup now. So why not bring him in and give it a go? And if not, he can definitely win it in four and a half years time. So give that one a go. I think that they, it's, it's the right move from them when you put it into that perspective. It seems quite harsh on Rennie, but I think when you're dealing in professional rugby, you're dealing with professional sport, it, it is a, there's not much margin for error. And I think that the opportunity arose uh, like Wesley said, Eddie Jones has probably plenty of offers. So Australia are looking at it and going, can Dave Rennie win the World Cup? And I think that they said to themselves, no. But if you bring in Eddie Jones, you have a chance of winning the World Cup. Not Maybe not this one. You have a good chance of winning this one with him. But you also have a very, very good chance of winning the next one. So that's why they've given him a five-year deal. So it does make more sense the more you kind of stomach it. But yeah, as, as, like, as a person feel very sorry for Dave Rennie. He probably, like, going into the weekend, going, oh, can I wait now? A little relaxing weekend. Now, you know, I'm not in this, the Northern Hemisphere, so there's no Six Nations to be planned. I kind of have a, a good little run of it, maybe take in some of the Super Rugby-specific uh, Pacific preseason. I know Brumbies are back, so Ben O'Donnell putting it up on uh, Instagram. You know, I'll have a look at some of the players, might get on Danny France, if Porchy wants to come over, see, oh, my God, I got fired. Uh, so, yeah, it's not, not the best weekend now, but... No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there, boys. I think we've covered everything we need to cover. Uh, so we'll be back next week to discuss, well, obviously, the, the European Games. We have an Irish Rugby Six Nations squad. Uh, and we have hopefully some more connect, uh, contract talks uh, to uh, to discuss. But uh, on- We haven't we haven't actually spoken about it at all on the podcast because we never have time. Uh, but I know Connacht women are playing Munster in the sports ground on Saturday. If you have a season ticket, you can go. So I'm hoping to bring the daughter if, she, if her nap time works. I think it's a one o'clock kickoff. And they had a good win, a bonus point win against Ulster at the weekend. Uh, so it is an opportunity. Like Munster meant to be very, very good. I don't know too much about the women's game. I'm trying to learn. Uh, I've been following a lot of accounts and kind of keeping my eye on these this Interpro series. But Munster are meant to be shit hot. So it'll be a tough, tough game. But if they win it, it I think it's themselves, Leinster and Munster will be on 10 points, which would make it very interesting and go to points scored, as far as I'm aware. No, absolutely a good point. Yeah, we, do, we don't give the women's game enough coverage on this. Um, a lot of it's because we aren't very knowledgeable about it. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. The Saturday, you know, the men's team are away in Newcastle, so no game to go to there. Why not go in and support the women in, in the... In the sports ground, you know, won't you won't be queuing half an hour for a fucking beer, probably like the men's game, probably a very enjoyable experience. I was waiting fifty minutes for a cup of coffee, uh, the other even. So uh yeah, definitely go ahead and support the women. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up, Sam. Um all right boys, appreciate it as always, and we'll catch you next week. Cheers, boys. See you later. <laughs>